0: Gmail Podcast, Google Apps in the Enterprise.
1: This show is a proud member of Friends in Tech at FriendsInTech.com.
0: Welcome to the Gmail Podcast, a collection of short hints, tips, and tricks to help you get more from your Gmail account. I'm your host, Chuck Tomasi. This show is proudly sponsored by GoToAssist Express. Every day, I find myself supporting clients over the phone. Most of these calls are made much easier by seeing what's on the other person's screen and walking them quickly through the solution. Remote visibility computing is just becoming a fact of life. The neat thing is that I can be using a Mac and they can be using Windows. It just doesn't matter. My clients have nothing to install. I just mail them a URL and in seconds, I'm seeing their issue and resolving it quickly. If this sounds too good to be true, wait, it gets better. GoToAssist is free for your first 30 days, but you need to use the special web address gotoassist.com slash techpodcast. Find out why I love working from home and how easy remote support and training can be with GoToAssist Express. Try it free for 30 days at gotoassist.com slash techpodcast. Thanks. This is a special episode of the Gmail podcast for a couple of reasons. For one, it's the first episode to go for more than just a few minutes. I'm talking with colleague and fellow friends and tech member, George Starcher, so this is likely to be a bit longer. For another thing, we'll be covering more than just Gmail and explore George's experiences with deploying Google Apps in the enterprise. This is going to be great stuff. Welcome to the Gmail podcast, George. Let's start by telling the listener a little bit about who you
1: are. Hey, uh, well, I do information security work primarily for my, you know, day job employer. Been in podcasting, as you well know, with you and friends in tech for, oh my lord, I don't even want to say how many years now. (laughs) Uh, I help a lot over at the typical Mac user podcast, so, uh, you know, you can find me there as well. But at my day job, we are looking at using Google Groups or Google Apps for our enterprise mail and moving away from the whole Microsoft Exchange environment. So that's pretty much what we're doing, and that's what we've started, and that's what we're here to talk about.
0: Well, what was the original scope of the projects? What were the apps replaced and the seats required and that sort of thing?
1: Well, we are in the pilot phase, meaning technically we could go back you know, and, and abandon this, although that's unlikely because honestly, once you start eating this dog food, it's really hard to give it up. Drinking the champagne. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, we're looking at 200 seats for our pilot. Uh, normally, they give you a few less, but we've asked for more. They've graciously done that, and we're mainly aiming at male because we have. Part of our environment's really old versions of Exchange. Some of it's newer, you know, 2007 and current mm-hmm. and AD-based. Some of it's not. And rather than pay, in essence, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there that are close but not exact. Uh, let's say it's going to take us $2 million to replace and catch up our Exchange and AD across our entire enterprise to get everyone the same level. And that means sand storage for the email databases, uh, consolidating them some uh, so that they're virtualized and centralized. But you still then have to have take backups and all these things that can handle that much data right. in a reasonable time and all the processes involved in all this. We can do it much cheaper with the Google Apps. the The loaded cost, I want to say just some initial numbers was if you figure in some of the, you know, People having PSTs get corrupt because they were keeping mail archived in the PST. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the overhead of buying tapes and the, the time of IT to handle these tapes and if something to go wrong. Basically, the total loaded cost, I wanted to say, ballpark for exchange per user was maybe $173 versus like $73 for Google. Those weren't the exact numbers, but those were kind of in the ballpark of ratio, right? So, a huge reduction per user for all the headaches associated with hosting everything in-house and all the stuff that goes around that. So, that's primarily what we're looking at. And then, of course, we have some SharePoint. Some of it's older. It's not full-featured. And the management overhead that goes with that. So, Google Docs, we're looking at sort of a, a collaboration and then some of the other Google Apps that we simply don't have counterparts to. Like we don't have enterprise instant messaging right now. We have a major customer that has moved to Google Apps themselves, and that will enable us to have nice instant messaging with them and so forth. So there's a lot of win benefit there that we currently don't have. What was your role in the project? My primary function again is information security. So I'm looking at the security issues. I'm also the one that writes the company policies about information security and the IT type systems so i'm revising those policies right now in the expectation that we will go live past a pilot because i don't want to wait to the last minute right and then also i you know working up the list of general concerns and how our environment and the you know the fact that the data is now up there versus you know inside and all these things And then also just general admin and from an IT standpoint, because I have a lot of IT experience, pointing out things to the other IT guys. Hey, did we think of this? Are we doing this? And, you know, just helping as best I can.
0: What was the driving reason for switching to Google Apps? And and then I'm curious to know if your organization has used some sort of cloud computing or outsourced applications previously.
1: we have not done any cloud-based solutions before. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we do have a mix of this modern AD exchange and our older uh, exchange environment. And so the real driving factor is money, really. Um, And then the efficiencies of not having to handle tapes anymore, not having to worry about, can I image the server? How fast can I get it rebuilt, get mail working again? Uh, where does my mail come and enter my company? Mm-hmm. You know, does it enter it through one gateway? Do I have redundant gateways scattered in case one site, the main site, goes down? Now I don't have to worry about any of that. It just—it's always up there, and as long as that site can get to the internet in some capacity, people can get to their mail. And you know, as I mentioned, Exchange is just super costly compared to the Google apps. And uh, so we just got to manage the security and compliance gaps. And it is is new to us. So we got to take care of some of those issues. But it's probably going to be a win. Now, I've heard some people say that Google Docs and
0: spreadsheets are not quite as full features as their Microsoft counterparts.
1: What are your findings? Absolutely. I believe that's true, right? I've had a number of things that I've pushed up to Google, my existing documents and it breaks some things. But Google is constantly updating the apps where, you know, if you're in an Exchange environment or a Microsoft environment, you know, your users may be licensed for Office 2003. And now the new computers come with a license for 2007. And you get this version discrepancy building up in your enterprise over time until the users get upset. Or maybe the customers are mailing it in and the, they got the latest current great thing and you're a version or two behind. And you get the embarrassment of telling the customer, well, I can't read that doc. Can you save it out this way? And, you know, there's some of those issues. And I have found that there are some features like an Excel You know, feed lookups and things that if you just straight upload it and let it convert to a Google Doc, it does break. And you may have to – they have a lot of those same features, so you may have to just reapply them to get things working. Mm -hmm. But all in all, for just sharing basic spreadsheets – documents like I'm writing policies and I'm taking the policies I'm rewriting and I'm given our general counsel access so he can make some edits. And then once we both do it, then I'm taking it to our compliance and then our HR and do, do all that. And it's all one document. and I don't have to sit there and try and worry about who has what copy. It's, it, it, in that sense, it's uh, working pretty good.
0: Now, I know that Microsoft is now offering Office as a cloud offering. Did you consider using their their software for that?
1: We absolutely considered evaluating them. You never want to just go with one, you know, answer when you're asking a question, right? right? But we ran into a real problem. Neither their reseller nor Microsoft, nobody would call us back. I mean, Hmm. we were trying to, you know, we're basically looking to give somebody our money. We couldn't even get a return phone call. And then I talked to other friends online, some of which their employers have gone that route, and they have problems. I've heard horror stories about the projects not necessarily fully deploying or not fully deploying on time. It's definitely more expensive from a few people I've heard from uh, to get some things. Now, granted, they are a little more for f- full features. So, like, online office may be much more uh, resilient in uploading your off you know your regular traditional office document to it versus the google docs but again they're google's working hard to constantly add more features and since you don't have to install anything they just show up or if they're possibly disruptive or really a shift in a feature or something completely new google typically will make it so you choose to turn it on and then it's there right Mm -hmm. uh and so, if I got someone who's not even returning my phone calls to look at their product, I can't possibly imagine that their support and reliability in production is <laughs> going to be worth what I may be paying them.
0: Well, that right. brings up another question is, is what are the users or you, you know, the, the support staff, doing for support in, in the Google environment? I mean, do, do the users have an 800 number or something they can call and say, you know, My Gmail isn't behaving the way I think it should be?
1: Well, right now we're working all that up. The the way that these pilots go is a lot of your users are already familiar with Gmail, you know, Mm -hmm. like the folks listening right now. Mm -hmm. And let's say your enterprise is going and they'll send out a questionnaire and say, who all here uses this at home? How much do you know? Are you familiar with just mail, or is it Docs? You know, and they make what they call, um, you know, uh, sort of, you know, you tap them as a team lead, a, a Google representative, if you will. I forget the exact term they use, but uh, basically, you tap these employees to act as leads in answering questions to their fellow employees you know, like mentors, if you will. So
0: internal subject matter experts.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I mean, IT is still there to help, but you tap those people. You also can build a nice Google site and, you know, you put in the the training videos. A lot of the training videos in Google apps when you go to do the actual paid enterprise stuff Mm -hmm. are actually from lynda.com, which is a very popular online training thing. I've used it myself. And so you get some of that. You can make your own videos and put them in the video section. So anything you could build In Google Sites, Google Docs, you know, Google Video, and put all that up there so they can at least is the first step. They go to there and land on that help site, see if their questions easily answered, and then if not, they can ask their Google internal fellow Google employee expert, or then of course they can ask IT for help as well.
0: Okay, good. Uh, We talked about some of the the earlier challenges. What sort of financial, political? technical challenges do you, did you encounter with this pilot?
1: Really, we didn't face any major hurdles politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, finance is the driving factor. And, you know, our business is, you know, having kind of a, you know, we're having to address financial issues right now in this economy, like everybody. So mm-hmm. anything we can do to streamline our costs, but actually expand our service is a good thing. And our our management's very receptive to that, fortunately. So they're, they've listened and they They've, you know, certainly bought into giving us a shot at this. So politically really wasn't there. We we may or may not run into some issues like with uh, I know our ISO and compliance people were kind of drooling over the idea, <laughs> but they're holding off on putting any serious amount of their docs in it till they get a feel for it. And of course there's the whole access and control and not accidentally, you know, someone sharing it with the world and all that that you have to address. So there's some issues there, but Really, even the people I've discussed it with, the people that kind of already seeing it, have not been overly resistive. It's, it's going to be more technical issues. Really, it's going to be like you said, the how it handles certain office documents for push them up, or maybe they have some sort of uh, reason for using Office natively, like we have um, a mainframe, and then we have plug-in for Excel that lets users readily download data from the mainframe, like some sort of order list and some data about the orders, and then they gyrate it in Excel. Well, obviously, that's not going to work with Google Docs. Mm -hmm. So, those people may have to have it. So, we're not looking to replace Microsoft Office, but we are expecting that a, a significant percentage may not need it anymore. The Google Docs will suffice and um, make it much easier to get to. And let's see, um, you know, like I said, it breaks a few things in the features. Uh, You may have to sort of retweak it to get it to work. We've also run into a little bit of limitations in uploading the existing data. Not that we can't get it up there. I mean, I know I've like dumped my mail to PST, but Google provides you some apps to run to help migrate your existing mail and things up. Nice. And it seems to work best with PST files rather than trying to pull it from your Exchange server live and then also push it back up into Google uh, for a variety of reasons. Like if you've got some older Exchange boxes like we do, they could be reacting really slow and cause timing issues. Or there's also some appears to be some. Rate limiting on the API on the Google end. So, if you do have a really fast connection, it may kind of step you back a little bit, and not just take it as fast as possible. So, they do offer options, you know, like you can send it to Google and they, they can process it. And you may or may not want to do that for the sensitivity of your information. And uh, because then it's existing in a place that's not the certified, you know, well defined and well protected type systems that, you know, the mail itself is in.
0: Now, as you were going through the, um, the planning and pilot phase, what were the risks that were identified and, and what's the mitigation plan on those risks?
1: Uh, obviously, this is my specific area of interest being the security guy. <laughs> and, and then there's a deep list of issues, but nothing that's a showstopper. And again, we're actually in the pilot phase, actually starting to roll it out. We've got it to all our infrastructure IT people already. And now we're going to bring in all our non-infrastructure IT folks like our developers and our, you know, maybe the mainframe support staff and the Mm -hmm. IT compliance people. Um, But number one, you can access it from anywhere at any time. That's great, right? But it's also bad. (laughs) How so? You might have employees that are hourly. Right. And maybe you don't want them to be accessing mail off the clock, right? Or from home even, right? Maybe they're hourly supervisors. You only want them doing work at work. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they suddenly can log into Google from anywhere, right? That could be a personal device. It could be a personal computer. Maybe those things have Trojans. Maybe, you know, they're downloading information. Maybe they're simply off the clock and then they turn around and complain to HR. Hey, my boss made me work on the clock because they're, Mm. you know, maybe not the best employee in the world and they're trying something. Or maybe you have a bad supervisor and they really did try and make them work off the clock. Uh, So we're considering a single sign-on portal you have to hit first, Before, it'll let you into Google Apps, you know, and tie that back to Active Directory and all this stuff for user account control. And then you can say, if it's not their shift, don't let them sign in, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, That does create a little bit of a bottleneck because if you're just going straight to Google, obviously, it's highly redundant across their servers. They've got all this uptime. So, now, if you introduce something that's in the way… You know, a a toll keeper on the bridge, if you will. You better have more than one and they better be dispersed and, you know, all that. Because if they go down, nobody can get the mail and so forth. Right, right. Um, You know, and then there's the issue, too, of Google, your access to your Google account is basically just protected by SSL. You know, HTTPS, the little padlock in your thing. Mm -hmm. There are easy hacker tools like SSL Strip. As a matter of fact, if you want to see this for yourself, just go to YouTube and search on the two words SSL Strip, all one word, and then space Gmail. And you will find examples where people will take this little utility like on their Linux laptop and they'll run it and they'll basically look like they're the hotspot at Starbucks, if you will. You go to Starbucks, think you're talking straight to Google. You're really talking to this guy's laptop, and then he's talking to Google for you. And you think you're encrypted, and he's really hearing everything you type and everything you read.
0: Is that what's known as a man-in-the-middle attack?
1: Yes, it is. Okay. Right. And that's a utility that makes it easy to do that to SSL-protected sites. And that also means he can see your name and password now. That means now he can go log in and make it look like he's coming from China. And, you know, because remember, on the Internet, you're only 30 milliseconds away from the bad guy. Right. It's not like someone's got to stick you up in the parking lot and then run away. (laughs) Uh, You know, they can get to you from anywhere at any time. So if you don't have some restrictions on that, it's bad. Right. But it's also good that, you know, as long as you got Internet, you can do your job. What about mobile devices? They're very prevalent these days.
0: Blackberries and iPhones and iPads and
1: whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, well let me throw the big monkey wrench out there right now. The very first bullet point is just stunning to me. And I actually had Google people they're, they're almost embarrassed and you can almost hear their face in their hands when you're talking to them on their phone. Guess which Google or or excuse me, which mobile device OS like, you know, iPhone, uh-huh. Android, BlackBerry, Symbian, you cannot control. And it's the big one. Uh, from Google apps, like setting the p- the policy that says, require the device encrypt the data, require that it locks after half an hour, require that the user puts in this password and it has to be a certain strength. Um, Best
0: thing we're be talking a- about Google, I'd have to say
1: Android. Yes, you're absolutely right. Their own freaking phones. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a Active Sync compatible device, like Windows Mobile or iPhone, mm-hmm. iPad. Any of those that are active sync, you can control those settings and set those in your Google apps. You can't set them by user, so it's not super flexible like a BlackBerry server is, right. where you can set different policies for different groups of users and things. So if you really want to lock down security, like turn off cameras for these employees, but let cameras work for those, you really almost need to stick with a BlackBerry. And the the paid Google apps does let you uh, hook a... BlackBerry Enterprise Server to Google, and then it works fine. And you know, you can set your policies. If you want to use native ActiveSync devices like iPhone, iPad, uh, Windows Mobile, then you just set those settings there, and accept that you're setting them for everybody, and they're just all going to be the same. So, like maybe those are your directors, right? Your senior managers, or even just your management staff, and you give the lowest level employee the lockdown BlackBerries, mm-hmm. but the Droid does not work so like what we have to do because we have a number of droids for certain reasons in our company and there's a third-party application called touchdowns about 30 bucks a head. so we buy that and we put that and then it's active fully active sync compliant meaning you can make it wipe you can make it lock you can set the passwords all this stuff make it's encrypted and in essence it's an app on the Droid that's then all those mail, all those contacts are inside that app. So it's not the best user experience in the world. It's not horrible, but it's not the native one that you really want. The good thing, again, is Google is constantly updating. Froyo, the latest Droid update, mm-hmm. fixes a lot of that. The problem is the Google Apps guys have not put in the section of the interface in the console to let you set the Google settings for Froyo.
0: Hmm.
1: So even though the Froyo update's starting to get out there on devices – and let's assuming you were lucky and they worked on all your devices, you you know had a batch of all the same model phone and it had Froyo now, you still can't control it because they haven't added the interface in the admin console yet. So they're kind of thinking maybe by the end of the year, they'll start to catch up. And, uh, you know, the honest truth is they probably just were ready to get this to market. But all in all, it works good. The problem is also you cannot restrict to certain devices, meaning I can't let you associate your iPhone and then keep you from associating any other device. You could then go to your personal iPhone and add it just because you saw how it was added on your main one. Mm-hmm. And that may cause e-discovery problems. It may cause compliance problems, you know, whatever. So that's where you have to update your policies like I'm doing now and put some more teeth in it and say, if we catch you doing it to an unapproved device, it's like an occurrence in HR, right? Right, right. You know, so that's... Pretty much you do it there. And some devices, you know, like iPads, I can use Google Docs and Goodreader on iPad to see docs that I own. But -hmm. you can't see ones that are shared with you, right, and pull it down to the device and look at them. But editing them and putting them back, pretty hard. You have to do it through Safari on the iPad. And it may not support all the web features that you would get in the browser on the desktop. But it's close. But still not glitch-free. Getting there. Not yeah, perfect. Getting there. Okay. It'll get better over time. So it's not It's not a showstopper. It's just issues you have to address and compensate for.
0: Well, consider the option if you had a Microsoft application. You'd still need the, uh, to add an add-on application to be able to manipulate those documents.
1: Oh, absolutely. You might view them, but you might not be able to edit them very well, right. and certainly not in a shared way. Well, let's so, talk data management. Google Docs, get this, is not backed up. What? <laughs> It's fine as long as your doc exists. It's highly redundant, right? They they guarantee all this uptime and stuff. But if you actually hit delete
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the document, assuming, again, you're we're talking a paid account here, you have five days to support, support a support ticket to have them put it back with Google, right? To go to Google to put it back. After that, it's gone for good. They can't get it back either. So you have to consider a third party product that maybe you run on a file server inside your corporate headquarters that nightly goes and sucks down all the Google Docs. Hmm. Okay. Like, just so you have an archival copy, so that if you have an employee who either foolishly deleted something and didn't realize they needed it till two weeks later, which or, happens, yeah. yeah. Or a malicious employee who's low and slow deleting files one at a time over the course of a month before they leave. Because remember, I'm a security guy, I'm a pessimist, right? (laughs) Uh, So you want those things backed up. That's that's an issue. Admin level access. Google Apps admins by default. In other words, the default Google console Mm -hmm. is not granular. You're either admin or you're not. Meaning, if you have different locations, and you have to have IT staff to be able to make their own local users and maintain them, sure. guess what? They're admin. They can go nuke users from another site. Mm, okay. So that's where you get into possibly having a third-party uh, Google reseller that's developed some uh, front-end, if you will, and then it may um, act as sort of a front-end, and then you create a user account and then restrict them in a more granular way. So there's that issue. There's no super admin over email, meaning if I want to – let's say someone leaves, right. and I want to take that person's mail and give it to their boss, but they didn't delegate it before they left, I have to change that person's password, log in as them, and then delegate to move the mail access over. Or – a Bit awkward. Or use an admin level account and an API to actually dump it out to a PST and then suck it all back in, which is a big pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like the idea of changing someone's password signing in after they left because I consider everything tying to someone's identity is important. What if you're in the rare occasion where there's some dispute with his employee and you want to be able to claim because they can get to it from anywhere at any time that they attempted to log back in to get to stuff they shouldn't? Well, right, if your right. policy and procedure is I changed their password – all they got to do is blame me and say, that wasn't me, that was you, right? Right. So, right. not being able to, as an admin, go take Bob's box and give it to Chuck without ever logging in as Chuck and just leaving Chuck's account disabled, that's a minor problem, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it changes your paradigm how you handle it, but it is something to be aware of. However, over Google Docs, a domain admin is super admin over all docs, which is, again, comes back to that idea. You know, granular access there is none, as is a rule. Uh, I can then take ownership of a document transferred to someone else. So there's some discrepancy between the applications. Additionally, there's Postini. That's an optional service that can help mitigate some of this. So let's say that employee gets terminated, they go home or go out to their car and they have a netbook with a you know T-Mobile card in it or a Verizon or whatever, and they log in, and start deleting stuff. Right. Well, with Postini, that's an archival service for mail. Okay. So You can either pay for a year or 10 years per user that you want to pay for the service for. Mm -hmm. So you can either have users with no archival capability beyond their 25 gig of mail that they get with their account. is still a lot. Or you have this archival where a copy of everything that gets sent and received ends up over here. And Google actually on the Postini doesn't charge you by amount of space. They charge you for how many people and how long. So it could be unlimited amount of mail where their active mailboxes, you know, they keep it healthily under 25K. So they can go back and pull mail. It's great for e-discovery. So if you did have a disgruntled employee and they got in before you could disable their account and they deleted all their mail thinking they were being mean, you could go click and put it all back, right? (laughs) Very nice. It also gives you some features where you can, say, filter for pattern matching on content. So don't let anything with a social that a pattern that matches a social security number be mailed out. Put it in this holding pen and send an alert to this person, right? Or force it to be encrypted because that's an actual extra option on the Postini stuff to actually support encrypted mail to outside folks and stuff. So it's all real good and all that. One of the things we're looking at, too, is for our users, if you, as you know from G, regular Gmail, you can just... Go in the forwarding settings in your mail and say, forward all other mail to here. Right, right. Or I could pull in tons of personal mail. I mean, I use my own personal Google Apps account at home for a personal domain, and I pull in like four or five other mailboxes I've had over the years, and I still use them, and I just have it pull it all into that one box. Well, obviously, I don't want people pulling in their mail, personal mail, into their company mailbox, so we're looking at uh, turning in a Google support ticket to maybe have those options removed from the interface. Now, they might still be able to make a filter and say if it comes in, forward it, but they'd have to work a little harder at it. And, of course, Postini, since we're probably going to get at least one year for every user and then 10 for the, the people that matter, You know, your finance, your HR, your IT, your executives, if they forward it out, you'll still be able to see that they did it because it'll be in the, the Postini archival. But if you reduce temptation and make it a little harder for them to kick company-sensitive mail to their Yahoo account, uh, then it's less likely they'll break your policies doing that. And then the last little thing on that data handling is sharing. Mm -hmm. That's a little tricky because by default, the Google Apps domain, you can share everything on your domain with people outside your domain. So you may want to change that to people only inside your domain. But the problem is you maybe you do want to share some with outside, either customers right. or auditors, you know, like where you're trying to give documents to your, you know, KPMG because they're auditing you for socks or whatever. And you're using this instead of SharePoint. So what actually Google recommends is you make a subdomain of your main domain. Only gives certain people ability to get into that and let them share the documents through there so it's to control people who have the right to make that judgment call on what is and isn't shared. It also prevents a sales rep or a customer rep from sharing a wrong spreadsheet with the customer, and maybe it's got information that uh, might tick the customer off You know, in addition to whatever the the person thought they were supposed to see. And that way they have to go through someone that double checks it before it gets shared out. And you lock your root domain to be internal only and then make this subdomain anyone and then only certain people can use it. The last little thing about that too is you'll have a lot of times auditors ask you for what's shared and to whom. Right, right. There's no easy way to run a report on Google Docs and see that. Hmm. You have to basically... Go look. There is an auditing API that's fairly recent that might let you do that. I have not fully explored that, but there's certainly no way to set up alerts. Like if someone changed something vital or I want an alert if finance changes this folder, you can't do that. It's not there yet.
0: Seems like it should be because I know with Google Docs you can set up alerts when the document is changed or something. But when you're dealing with the sharing and the but the sharing now, yeah, not that I've seen. Doesn't seem like it'd be that difficult to extend that. Wow, you certainly have done your your homework and and thought through a lot of these different scenarios on the security. Um, let's talk a bit about the resources. What was required to to get you up and going with the goal, or or what's anticipated for the full project in terms of.
1: People hours and money and whatnot. Again, I'm trying to remember exactly. You know, I don't really have exact numbers, uh, but as a rule, it's been fairly inexpensive. You know, compared to updating for Exchange. Certainly mm-hmm. in the pilot phase, Google's you know letting you test a lot for. Uh, little to no cost. So we're not really competitive We're in the pilot. So it's really hard to say that. We did purchase some online training from our Google resellers. So they're doing online classes through um, – like WebEx types, uh, webinar sharing. And then they're also taking that same type of content plus some extras, and they're helping us build that Google site within our domain where it's going to have all this help material and FAQs for frequently asked questions that, you know, of course, they have run into plenty of. So we don't even have to think of it all ourselves and putting that all together. So really the most intensive resource thing has been our IT staff, right? Getting them, getting ourselves up to speed so we could say this is the right thing to do and that we're doing it the right way and be able to ensure that we're not going to have any problems for the users going forward as we bring them into that pilot. So it takes a lot of time to read, to test, to sort of familiarize yourself with, especially if you were not a big Google user going in in that sense. But the, the money's been relatively cheap, I would say, I'm just guessing, because I don't know, because the money's not really my deal, but I'm guessing it's in the six figures for a project that's probably a million or more. But still, that's way cheaper than the two or three that it would have been to catch everything up to date on Active Directory and Exchange. And you don't have to worry about the infrastructure. I don't have to manage all that crap no more. It goes away.
0: Now, my current employer is currently considering moving to Gmail and Google Apps and all that, what advice would you have for those seeking a similar solution?
1: I would say, you know, if you're not uh, someone that's restrictive by major compliance issues like finance, medical, military, Mm -hmm. I would definitely seriously look at it. We tried looking at Microsoft stuff. We couldn't even get a return call. So the Google's a good option. And there even are some hospitals that are using the Google Apps or on the customer list. So obviously there are ways... To address those things, but if you know you're a smaller to mid-sized business, is it almost a no-brainer? Uh, especially if you're growing from a few people into a larger number of people, mm-hmm. don't even get yourself in that whole boat of having to maintain your own mail server. Just go this route, get it all set up, get your policies written well enough to head off any you know human problems, and uh, give it a shot. Because remember, too, you can. Try Google Apps for free just with not all the features. And then you talk to a Google sales rep and they'll, you know, again, they'll work out a, a, a thing to let you go forward in testing it. So, you know, to kind of give you an example from a personal standpoint of using Google Apps for personal use, the real feature differences are there are some complications right now if you're a Gmail user because there's, there's a discrepancy between what they call a public Google account and Google Apps accounts. So certain applications, maybe like Google Analytics and uh, maybe some of these existing groups and things, there's some apps that you can't get in Google Apps yet. Uh, There's no way to merge your two identities. Like I have an old Google account, and then I have my personal domain I've moved into Google Apps. Mm -hmm. Those are now actually two different Google logins. So like for us to share the calendar to set up this call, I said, hey, send the invite to this account, not that account. Because they're not the same account. Right, right. And then I may, I might have both calendars set up, but maybe I'm trying to phase the old one out. Uh, maybe my Google Voice number tied to this one, but not that one. And I have to go to Google and hope that someone will help me move it. They're working on ways to streamline that process. So I would expect within a year that to really get worked out where you can migrate everything into one identity rather than have multiples. Uh, The key features you don't get at the free level, Mm -hmm. no active sync type controls. So those things about forcing someone's Barry to lock or their iPad to lock, uh, you don't get those. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you can't go set them in a device, just means you can't force it as the administrator, right? But you do get full IMAPS, you know, sync support. Is you've mentioned plenty of times in setting up stuff on in the mm-hmm. show already, where you can sync your calendar, you can sync your uh, contacts, your notes, those things all work now. Uh, so that's really what's driving you as a remote worker. You already got that. The other big limit is seven gig versus twenty five gig of mail storage. But to give you an example, I have mail dating back to two thousand five for four different mailboxes. I've pulled into my Google Apps domain. Mm-hmm. And I'm only using 14% of that seven gig. It takes a while. <laughs> it takes a long while. And, and, so, and
0: I know you have you and I have sent, you know, audio file attachments and pictures and yeah. Whatever. And I
1: left all that in there. I just let it upload, right? You yep. know, um and so I would definitely consider it, uh, especially for your medium business. I, I know I won't identify them because I don't know if I have the right, you know, if they if they care, if people know or not. But I, So, I'm not going to out them. But I know a popular Mac application developer that has some application that I like and you like because we've talked offline. And they use it because they've got their people are distributed across time zones, across locations. They're not all in one thing. So, if you're trying to work smarter, you're trying to work dynamically uh, across you know, a large geographic area and you're all pretty professional level team stuff. This is a no brainer. I would definitely do it. Well, thank you, George. I
0: appreciate you joining me today. This has been a real treat. It sounds like you've done your homework inside and out. And I hope it's a benefit to the listener as well. Uh, I know we did get into some deep topics and uh, glad we did. I'm sure everybody's benefited from your experience and insight. And it will be interesting to follow up with you in the, in the future as we go forward. Really appreciate it. That's been fun. For the listeners, let them know where they can find you online, because I'm sure you're probably going to get a couple of questions, feedback from this.
1: Sure, you can find me uh, basically everywhere. I'm George Starcher, S T A R C H E R. Everywhere, like at Twitter, uh, you know, uh, my websites, both georgestarcher.net, which is more my personal stuff, and .com, which is more my information security deep geek stuff, where I put scripts and applications I've written, things like that. Again, I help over typicalmacuser.com, that podcast and show a lot. So you can find me, hey, this is a Google (laughs) show. Google George Starcher, you will find me. I am all over that list.
0: (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks again, George. Thanks. That's all for this time. Comments, suggestions, or questions can be sent to gpodcast at gmail.com or check the website for full information and archives of all the previous Gmail tips at chuckchat.com. For more great information between the podcasts, follow me on Twitter at gmailpodcast. I have no affiliation with Google other than as a satisfied Gmail user. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to write.
1: Gmail.